And we are back with more on Newstalk Saga 960. Mark Petroni with you on this Thursday edition of the Mark Petroni Show. So very glad that you could join us on Saga 960. Uh, we've got Tom Quiggin on the line. Tom's got a, a number of issues that he's been working on. He's a regular on this show, and I'm very glad to have him. Tom, of course, is a, a published author of uh, works of fiction, among other things that he's working on that uh, very much reflect reality. Sometimes the best way of telling a story is by uh, telling the truth is by using fiction in order to do that. And Tom certainly has done that with great success. He's also a court sanctioned uh, expert in areas like uh, terror and so and Islamic terror as well. And so uh, he's been keeping a key, keen eye on a number of stories, including what's going on in China since the two Michaels were returned, as well as what's going on with the General Milley case uh, as he testifies before Congress south of the border. We welcome Tom Quiggin once again. Hello, Tom. Uh, good morning, Mark. Always good to be back on Saga 960 Radio. Sorry we can't see you as well during this interview, but that's all right. At least we can hear you, and that's uh, certainly good news indeed. All right, so let's tackle a couple of stories uh, out there, including one in the Toronto Star of all places. Looking at possible reasons behind the scenes in terms of what happened with the two Michaels, the arrest of Meng Wanzhou, the eventual return of Meng Wanzhou, and some of the machinations that were going on behind the scenes in and leading up to the point at which the two Michaels were returned. We all know, of course, that it was Joe Biden, President Biden, really who triggered that whole thing by uh, pulling back his extradition request that uh, Meng Wanzhou be returned to be taken to uh, the United States in order to face trial. So what's your sense of what may have taken behind this, taken place behind the scenes uh, ahead of what uh, transpired with the two Michaels? Well, I think you're, uh, you pretty much nailed it there, Mark. Uh, generally speaking, I think it's safe to say that President Biden caved in, if you will, or gave up on the uh, extradition request. They won't be pursuing further charges against uh, Meng or against Huawei. And once that happened, it sort of opened the doors for her release. Uh, and it does look like that at least the American government may have assisted or in fact insisted uh, on having the two Michaels released at the same time. Now, I think it's fascinating that all three governments, America, Canada, and China came out and said, oh no, there's no connection between Meng uh, having the charges dropped against her and agreeing to what's essentially a deferred prosecution uh, and the two Michaels being released, of course, which is one of the most obvious and blatant lies uh, of all times. Uh, it's quite clear that the two Michaels were released in exchange for Meng. And in fact, I did a look at the timing of the aircraft and the aircraft probably passed each other somewhere over the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. uh, so at the exact same time, she's being loaded onto a plane in uh, British Columbia. They're being loaded onto a plane in China and wow. they cross each other. So the uh, idea that this was, uh, you know, an unrelated event is just silliness. Uh, uh, I'm getting I'm getting images of Checkpoint Charlie and exchanges of Soviet uh, and American spies. Uh, this is this is Cold War stuff, isn't it? This is very much Cold War stuff. This is very much hostage diplomacy. Uh, and I think you you alluded to that Toronto Star article, and it's absolutely amazing. Uh, there was a Star article written by Wenrang Jiang, who's a professor, he's head of the China Institute, I think, at the University of Alberta. And what's fascinating about this article 
is it says directly that uh, Ming was taken as a hostage in the first place as part of the trade and technology war with China. Uh, so that's that's his opinion. That's whatever. Okay, fine. I mean, I disagree with it and I think it's outrageous, but whatever. There you go. But what's fascinating is Senator Wu, who's a Canadian senator appointed by uh, Justin Trudeau, a so-called independent uh, senator, or as most people call them, independent liberals. Um, <laughs> senator Wu has come out and shared this article and says he supports it. So here we have a Canadian senator appointed by Justin Trudeau who says, oh, yeah, Meng was actually a hostage-taking incident, uh, and this is what's going on. Canada is involved in hostage-taking. Now, this is interesting in the sense that that is clearly supportive of the Chinese government line, but Senator Wu has also come out and said that China's genocide campaign against the Uyghurs is really, you know, it's an anti-terrorism campaign, and that's how we should see it. And he also says the fact that China doesn't share our view of individual freedoms or our interpretation of freedom doesn't mean we should be critical of how China runs itself. Uh, so here we have a Canadian senator who takes the Chinese line on genocide. He takes the Chinese line on communism. Now he's taking the Chinese line on uh, hostage shaking, whether this whole event was a hostage shaking incident. So just a little re mind refresher here. On the 22nd of June 2010, which is to say roughly uh, 12 years ago, the director of CSIS, Richard Fadden, warned about Chinese influence in Canada and specifically noted their influence or control over Canadian politicians. Uh, he was almost fired for that. It caused a huge outrage. And what was fascinating, even back in, in 2012, the entire media, well, I shouldn't say the entire media, but most of the mainstream media in Canada came out and said, well, you know, this is just racism. How can you possibly suggest that, you know, Chinese people could be under the influence of the Chinese government? Well, here we are 12 years later, and here's a pretty clear cut example of how a senator in the Canadian government consistently takes the Chinese government line against the interests of Canada. So, you know, there you go. I mean, it's kind of clear that this is going on now. Fascinating in all of this discussion about uh, Chinese influence, nobody's mentioning that Huawei, mm -hmm. which is the company that Meng worked for, was directly responsible through espionage for destroying Canada's largest tech company, Nortel. They destroyed it by bugging all their communications, bugging the building, stealing their technology, and then willfully underbidding them on international projects to drive them out of business. So. You know, I do find it kind of unusual, at the least, to say we're having this discussion about, you know, whether we should deal with China, should we ban Huawei and all this stuff? Well, China has no problem with spying on us and destroying our large technology companies. Uh, so I don't see why we should have a problem with saying China is doing this and maybe we should push back on them. Nonetheless, the mainstream media in Canada, the government of Canada, etc., appear to be using this current situation is yet another example of, well, you know, now that this is over, now we can get back to sort of business as usual. We can talk about reestablishing relations. And uh, to me, it's, uh, it's, you know, the equivalent of saying, well, let's open up a trade pact with the Soviet Union, even though everybody kind of generally understood the objective of the Soviet Union was to destroy the West. Well, here we are again. Anybody who has any knowledge of China at all knows that China is a colonial power. It, in, it intends to destroy capitalism. It wants to destroy the West. It wants to increase its own influence at the cost of ourselves. And I don't know if anybody else noticed today, 
Yet another Canadian mining company, this time a company that's involved in lithium mining, has just been taken over by China. Lithium, of course, uh, used to be a, called a strategic mineral, but right now it is like perhaps the most important mineral going because everybody wants to go to electric vehicles and electric power, et cetera, et cetera. Lithium batteries are the key to that at the moment, but yet we just let China take over another Canadian, another Canadian uh, mining company. So yeah, I think we're in trouble. Our government of the day, not only is not resisting China, in fact, it appears to be supporting it. So the troubles will continue. And the only reason they do that, look, clearly we have bought off politicians. I mean, no politician uh, stabs their own country in the back unless they're offered something in the way of uh, money or they're blackmailed or threatened. Right? Those are the big three clubs right? Uh, over the heads of politicians here. They are vulnerable, and so when you have uh, spies and experts in espionage, as the Chinese certainly are, they know where your weak points are. They've got the pictures of you with that uh, underage prostitute. Not you, obviously. Hunter Biden, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Hunter Biden. Uh, they've got the stuff and they've got the money that they can put into a, an offshore account and say, we put $200 million into that account. You can have it. Just uh, play along. And so our politicians sadly have turned on our country. They have sold us down the river. It's the only logical explanation behind this is that uh, China has bought themselves some leaders and we are the victims here. We're the people of this country now are watching things like China take over lithium mines i mean this is absolutely outrageous and now of course this other story also in the toronto star god help us the meng michaels saga ended canada is turning its back turning back rather to its huawei 5g controversy and the potential of public backlash well what does that tell you it tells you that they're about to give huawei that highly lucrative contract to roll out our 5g network here's the story Canada will make an announcement in the coming weeks regarding Huawei communications involvement in this country's 5G network. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Mr. Popularity himself, the Chinese company has already been banned or had its presence in 5G infrastructure restricted by some of Canada's security allies. And Trudeau told reporters this week his government will reveal its own intentions soon. But let's look at the situation here, Tom. The five eyes has magically become the three eyes. You know, we've got Australia. United States has no intention of allowing Huawei to roll out any 5G networks in that country because they know it's a security risk, as does Britain. All of a sudden, Canada on its outs. I mean, is that a dog whistle here? Are they telegraphing the idea that Canada is about to grant China that a lucrative contract to roll out the 5G network? What's your take here? Yeah, I, I would sort of hope, and I'm being somewhat, I, and I'll admit I'm being naive when I say this, I would sort of hope that the recent developments regarding the United States, Australia, and the United Kingdom with their new intelligence sharing organization method and their new contract on uh, submarines going to Australia, I would sort of hope that maybe this rattled the Trudeau government a bit and sent them a message that says, you know, if you want to deal with China, you're going to do that at the expense of Australia, the United States, the United Kingdom, and our traditional allies. Having said that, Trudeau, unfortunately, I think, is ideologically committed to China. Uh, and I suspect or I fear that he will actually approve of the Huawei deal or he will at least not ban it, which is actually quite terrifying. 
Interestingly, you refer to the idea that Canadian politicians here who are supporting China, you know, may have been compromised or something. Just a quick uh, thing for your readers. If you're wondering if politicians or individuals are sort of, shall we say, moving towards treasonous ground, the, the expression in the intelligence community is MICE, M-I-C-E, and that stands for money, ideology, compromise, and ego. So when you see a politician or an individual compromising themselves, their country or whatever, the questions you ask are, is money involved? In other words, has this uh, senator been bought out? Is ideology involved? In other words, is this senator ideologically committed to a Chinese form of government rather than Canadian form? Is compromise involved, i.e., you know, are there pictures of Hunter Biden out there with underage Chinese prostitutes, which, of course, it looks like there are? Or is it ego? Is the guy strictly getting a kick out of it? He thinks it's fun to be involved in the spy game. And in this case, I would say, you know, we have to look heavily at ideology that China has spent untold millions of dollars in Canada building up its networks through China institutes, through the Confucius Institutes, through supporting politicians, etc., and uh, I think we cannot but come to the conclusion that ideology and money are compromising the Canadian government. And it starts right at the very top. And by that, I mean Trudeau. Before we let you go, what can we do about this? What, Canadian, what can Canadians do? Because there's also concerns that our elections have been compromised or could be compromised. There hasn't been a ton of talk about that, but there certainly has been south of the border. And so... When you've got the Chinese involved in undermining all aspects of our democratic society, including buying themselves off uh, politicians, uh, destroying through espionage, corporate espionage, uh, great companies like Nortel, uh, and then paving the way quite possibly for Huawei to do this. And so, which would, of course, create a, a rift between ourselves and our major allies, the United States, the Brits and Australia. What uh, can Canadians do about this? At the individual level right now, I mean, it's really hard to have an effect on international policy. But one thing Canadians could do is next time you go into Bell or Rogers or Telus or whatever it is to get a new uh, smartphone, don't buy a Huawei phone. Uh, buy Samsung or something. At least it's made in Korea, which is alleged to be an ally of ours. Um, and Korea is not threatening to destroy us, at least not, you know, through ideological grounds. So another thing, look at uh, look at products. If you're buying a product and if it says made in China, don't buy it. Look around and buy something else. Uh, a lot of uh, politicians argue, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. It's about the trade relationship. It's about power. And the answer is it's quite simple. A, ban Huawei in Canada. Ban them from running in our 5G network. That can be done. It's easy. There's lots of other companies that want that contract. It'll go ahead anyway with someone else. The other thing is start shutting down known Chinese influencers in Canada. By that, I mean the Confucius Institutes. A couple of universities have already shut their own institutes down because they recognize it's Chinese communist propaganda working its way into the government or working its way into the academic world. So get rid of those things. It's easy enough to do. Another thing to do that would be uh, easy enough to do is to start exposing how much Chinese money is going into research in Canada. And by that, again, I mean universities for the most part. Uh, there seem to be an awful lot of academics that back China against, you know, what common sense would argue you shouldn't be backing these guys. But when you look at who's funding them, then you kind of go, oh, okay. So, you know, that one's pretty easy. So there's lots of ways that Canada could signal its displeasure with Huawei, uh, or sorry, with the government of China, which arguably one of the same thing, but anyway. But yeah, lots of ways we could do it to push back 
uh, without getting into catastrophic confrontations. But again, uh, I do believe that chi uh, China uh, is a strong supporter, at least on the surface, of things like the World Economic Forum. Justin Trudeau is a big supporter of the World Economic Forum. Justin Trudeau is ideologically committed to China. He said so himself. Uh, and I think both of them, or in fact, all three of them, the World Economic Forum, President Xi, and Trudeau are all committed to a great reset, a new organization of international political politics where globalization is the solution. Trudeau is very clear. He said he supports the Great Reset. He says he supports a post-national Canada. And a lot of people were shocked to see the World Economic Forum this year uh, had a global meeting of the most influential people in the world, like the Bill Gates of the world and all that sort of stuff. Who was the headline guest? President Z. What was the topic of discussion? The Great Reset and the pandemic. Uh, so, you know, it, it's clear, or at least it should be to most people, that Trudeau is committed to globalization. He's committed to deepening relationships with China. And I think for the moment, uh, unless he's forced to do otherwise, that's the path we're on. All right. Tom Quiggin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate that. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. Always good to be at Saga 960 Radio. Real quick, uh, what uh, are you working on that you'd like to inform your readers and listeners to? Well, just the sort of ongoing research into globalization, uh, which Trudeau is committed to taking us down the path and working on a second book in the Great Reset Trilogy to follow the first book, which just came out, uh, The New Order of Fear, which is available on Amazon. Hopefully the second book in this trilogy is going to be out sometime around Christmas or a little bit before that, Mark. Tom Quiggan joining us. And uh, we're going to take a brief commercial break. Back with more on Newstalk Saga 960 and the Mark Petrano Show after this.